Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sunday Recap. This is Chris McLaughlin here with Mitch Green and Ariel Eldridge. Your three Bs. Good Stones morning. Crossing Church. Hey. Morning. Yeah, I'm refusing to make any noises in the beginning of this because oh. I never know what's going to make its way into the recording after last week. <laughs> He's literally covering his mouth with his hand right now. <laughs> refusing to make any noises. So. If, you, if you can imagine, this week Luke Calvert has played probably a hundred times. The one, a two, a one, two. He has played it and he just, he just looks at me and plays it from the corner I want to make it my so. ringtone. It's yep. so good. So I refuse. I refuse to do anything in the beginning. So uh, Mitch and I take turns uh, doing the editing for the for the podcast, and and, and actually Mitch does most of it. I, I, we, I but we I take turns. But I did last yeah. week, and I decided uh, I decided to leave in that part for it was good. Just just for your enjoyment, for you listeners. At it home. was so yeah. timely. You just really, <laughs> I mean, the way that it flowed and it was some amazing editing. Work. It's good stuff. It's good yeah, stuff. Yeah, my wife, she's like, "What were you doing?" What is happening? I'm like, JC, I'm like, we do that every week. We just don't always put it in. It's usually just not in the recording. Yeah. <laughs> just, we just totally. got it out. So, Hey, so Sunday was Father's Day. Um, yes. Yeah. How uh, did you guys do things for your your dads, your husband? Like what, what, how, what was Father's Day for you guys? No, I feel super guilty because okay. I was wiped out from being at church and went home and I took a nap when really I should have been taking care of Jeremy. So he made steak and it was amazing. Nice. <laughs> but he wants to grill anyway. He loves, well, he yeah. actually, he's been digging on the cast iron skillet. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. So he's, he was telling he's me about perfecting that. the cast iron skillet steak. That's good stuff. It's good. So that was yeah. good for him. He, he enjoyed yeah. that. He had to. Yeah, he did. Because, I mean, he gets to put the butter on at the end and yeah. oh, man. It's good. Yeah, it's really good. Mm. Yeah, we went over to my parents. Uh, we were going to swim, but it rained all day. Yeah. Um, pretty funny. I don't think I don't think they listened to this, but so my dad and I have been golfing a lot. So I got him a golf push cart for Father's Day, which is fun. Yeah. To get us out there to get walking so we don't ride and be lazy every time. Nice. Um, but oh, I'll share this because I think it's funny. So my <laughs> okay. dad, so my dad is looking at a hat at the store, and my my mom thinks he's looking at a different hat. So he tells, so she tells my siblings, Hey, your dad really wants this hat. Get it for him. So, (laughs) so he gets for Father's Day this like bucket cap, like fisherman golf hat. Yeah. And he's rocking it and he loves it because he thinks it's funny. But he told me later, he's like, Yeah, I actually was looking at the other hat. It's more like a baseball cap. (laughs) So it cracks me up. I mean, it looks cool and it's funny and it has a story to it. But yeah, I'm pretty sure they don't listen to this. If I did, I just ratted my dad out. But it was super funny Sunday when he like he's like, yeah. I'm like, dude, like the hat's kind of fun. And he's like, yeah, I was looking at the one by it in the same color, but it was a baseball cap. (laughs) That's so funny. What a good dad. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. I'm notoriously bad about sending cards uh, in the mail to mm. my my parents and things like that. And so um, I have two Father's Day cards that are sitting on my desk at home still. Oh, bummer. Yeah. But they, they know that I'm notoriously bad at that. So um, they pretty much expect to get their Father's Day cards sometime around August. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> at least you still send it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do eventually. Do you ever send the text that says, hey, I got you a card? It's coming. Yeah. Well, no, well I, I called them. I called them and I was like, it's coming, guys. Yeah. But yeah. So 
they give me lots of grace, which That's is awesome. nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, uh, Father's Day on Sunday, we also uh, had the final series in our friend re- request series, which by the way, I'm having the hardest time saying that. I keep wanting to put a W in there, <laughs> friend request. Friend request. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the last one. <laughs> it is. So um, so in this final uh, uh, message that Scott gave, uh, he uh, started out looking at Acts 2, uh, this picture of the early church, which is just this incredible picture of the early church, um, what they were committed mm-hmm. to, the things that they did for one another, how they how they supported one another. And then what Scott did was really launch into um, just why we should belong to a church, uh, the benefits of belonging to a church. And so what I thought we'd do today is just talk through some of those benefits and, and talk through um, a little bit of the implications of those of those benefits uh, here at a local church today, and especially, I mean, uh, you guys are uh, that are listening are listeners uh, probably because you attend Stones Crossing Church, so we want to uh, look, look at some next steps even for you uh, here today. So let's go ahead and, and dive into these three things. So what what he said was that there were three benefits. Uh, he he listed three benefits of belonging to the church, and the uh, it's realize your identity, uh, the support of others. And that we discover our unique value, and by that he was really um, talking about uh, using your gifts. So, um, so one of the first things that Scott said here was that our identity is really defined by our relationships, our relationship to God, our relationship with others. So, help us to sort of unpack that a little bit. What does this mean that our relationships uh, or our, our identity is really defined by our relationships? You know, um, Luke would be a great person to ask about this. I wish he was here. And, and <laughs> well, Luke's maybe, not here, Ariel. <laughs> I know. Maybe we can do our best to, to speak on his behalf. But they've been working on status forward, and um, that was last year's theme for student yeah, ministry. Yeah, student ministry. Yeah. yeah. And so it's basically living out your status. And so your status is um, daughter, son of the king, mm-hmm. right? And in that, um, forgiven changed, made new, um, knowing those things about you, about yourself um, and your relationship to God then informs everything else. Mm. Um, and then um, we see ourselves as, as, you know, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a mother, I'm a wife. We have a lot of titles that we, um, mm. that we wear that have to do with the people around us and how we serve them and how we're in relationship with them. So Yeah. I think it's really interesting. Uh, uh, so you guys remember the movie Anger Management? Yeah, yes. you remember that that movie? Okay, so Adam Sandler movie. There's some bad things about it, of course. Um, but uh, the thing that's that's uh, always sticks out to me from that movie is the scene where he's introducing himself at the first anger management circle little group meeting, right? Uh-huh. And uh, uh, Jack Nichol- Nicholson's character uh, says, "Like, just you know, let's who, hear it. Can who you do are the you? impression? <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> but he's just like, who are you? And Adam Sandler's like, I don't know. Uh, you know, so I work for this. So, and so he's like, no, 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 no. Not, not where you work, not what your job is. Just who are you? He's like, well, I'm a pretty good guy. I like sports. He's like, no, 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 not your hobbies or your interests. Mm-hmm. Who are you? And then he gets really frustrated. He's like, I don't know what you want me to say, you know? <laughs> um, and, and I think that's so, um, indicative of our of the way that our culture works because we don't think about our relationships when we talk about our identity we think about ourselves yeah. we're, we're very in, in, inward mm-hmm. focused so we think about well who am i well i you know i like this i do this i you know all, and all this that number on the enneagram and yeah, yeah 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 versus what really is our identity and 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 I, and the relationship aspect i think is is a, is a is a much better way to get to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as, as Scott put it, I think the, the real takeaway from this section is that the family of God 
is a bigger identifier for your life than even your nuclear family. Mm-hmm. That it's that it's more important. Um, that we should look more like family when we're together than when you're even with your family mm-hmm. um, at home. Now, I don't think it looks that way. Um, it's got gave a lot of technical reasons for why we don't exist in community as well. But I think also, you know, as we look at America um, and we just look at kind of this American dream mentality, I think it's pulled us away from this identifier as the family of God being our primary relationships. Sure. Um, I think we've just seen, we've just seen over time, um, it become church becomes a way to figure out how to navigate your nuclear family mm-hmm. and less of a way to figure out how to exist in a body together as believers. Oh, that's yeah, really that's good. good. Which is wild because when we think of the first century church, this is what made it so unique yeah. was that people from every background, you know, that slave nor free nor everybody could gather together. And when they gathered to worship God, they were the true family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, I mean, that's what I think about. I just think about what is my primary identifier in my life? It's Christian and everything else filters through that. You know, the way I think about politics, the way I think about how, you know, I interact with my wife, the way that I'm friends with other people, that that's my primary identifier. But the growth to me, I was thinking about this this morning as I was driving in is to ask myself the question, okay, what are the things that I would do for my immediate family that I wouldn't do for somebody in our church? Mm. And how can I start to bridge those gaps? Yeah. And as, as dumb as this sounds, the first one to me is like, If you're in my family, I'll help you move every single time. If you're a part of the church and you ask me to move, I might help you move, (laughs) but I really don't want to. I was just processing this in my mind. What does it look like to interact with people in the church um, as if they're your true family? family, You know, where do those gaps start to break down? I hear you always talk about fridge rights. Yes. You know, which I don't know if you could explain that for everyone, but I think that's one of those things to me that practically it looks like. Uh, Well, in the realm of friendship, you know, you have those friends who have fridge rights at your house mm-hmm. is what we call it, is that whenever they come over, they know that they are welcome to get into our fridge and help themselves to what they want yeah. um, because we love them like family, and uh, and so what we have is theirs. And so all things in common, right? I'll, I'll be over after this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we have ice cream, so you're set. And, um yeah. So yeah, I don't know, guys. I just, I just think I just think there's some <laughs> practical ways to think about that. You know, if right. we're really the family of God, and this is even bigger than our nuclear family, then how do we exist with one another? Yeah, you know, that's the passage that um, Scott brought up is First Timothy chapter three, verses fourteen and fifteen. And let me just read it real quick. He says, "I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and but but buttress of the." truth. Now, I love that this passage because he's talking about this idea of how one ought to behave in the household of God, that that the identity that we have as Christians and being part of God's family actually then plays into how we should act mm-hmm. and, and and the way that we should live every day. And it, it, there's this really wonderful family in our church that um, uh, the, 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 the husband and wife... Um, they they gave me this this little il- illustration because they have um, they have some adopted kids, and their their kids that they adopted, um, they they weren't adopted from birth. They were adopted uh, as, as they were maybe just a, l- a couple years older. Okay, mm-hmm. and because of that, it, it, pre- it presents some challenges when you're bringing them into your family because they're used to living it a certain way mm-hmm. based on their identity with their old family. And now that they've been adopted into their new family, they have a new identity. They have absolute. They're part of their new mm-hmm. f- that new family, right? But it takes them a little while to figure out what it means to live that way. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. very much like 
us. I mean, we, you know, we had an old life. We were part of an old family. Mm-hmm. But in when, once we become a Christian, we are justified. We are completely brought into that new family. Um, but it still takes us a little while to to grow and to figure out what it means to live yeah. as uh, as people in this new family. And and that's what Paul is talking about here in First Timothy. Yeah. You know this idea of the uh, of the church family. Um, being even greater than the nuclear family is good news for those of you who may feel alone in your family, Mm. in your physical family. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when I think about um, friends who are going through infertility and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, or maybe just empty nesters who just are trying to find in their next step, um, what are, what is God's use for them? Um, There's always someone to love in the family of the church. Um, And so you can have spiritual sons and daughters you can have spiritual mothers and fathers, and that's a really cool picture of what eternity will be like. Yes. Um, yeah, and honestly, you know, one of the things I've, I've got a friend right now, and she's <laughs> single, and she's she's you know she's thirty years old, yeah. and she never planned on being single in thirty, and you know she attends a church on the north side, and I'm amazed at the way that I watch the people in our church um, take them into her family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's, she's lived with a couple couples in the church, you know, their kids. I mean, they, they act like they're her kid and, uh-huh. you know, and she's, she's been able to even experience this freedom where she would have said what you talk to her at 26, 27, she's going to be like, if I'm not married by 30, like what's going on in my life. Mm. But here she sits at 30 and now she's able to look and she's like, man, I have such a fulfilling life yeah. because I'm existing in this family of God. Yeah. And I wonder sometimes, you know, man, it's not a do better thing, mm-hmm. but it's like, I would love to see our church live and act that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that like, literally, I feel like I'm with family uh-huh. when I'm with these people. And I I mean, we we feel that on our team a lot. But again, it's just growing that to the point where people in our church, single, married, children, no children, can feel like they're a part of this family of God when we gather. Yeah. yeah. And you know, um, if you're, I would just encourage you, if you're a member of our church, or if you're someone who attends regularly to look around you on Sunday morning, um, when you see someone that you know is single or you see someone who is um, missing their kids, just reach out to them. Mm-hmm. Just start yep. a relationship. Um, you know, it starts small, take little steps, whatever. Um, just find ways that you can serve each other and love each other um, and look out for each other and let them know that they are known and loved here. Absolutely. So the second thing that Scott uh, brought up here is that one of the benefits of belonging to a church is that we have the support of others. And um, this is hugely significant. I, I think that, actually, before we get into what he talked about, I think that that this is the thing that most people think of when they think of a church family. Like, like they just want to belong to a, a group of people and people that can support them and they can support and things like that. And that's just, just huge. And the way that um, the Apostle Paul describes this in Ephesians is he uses this image of the temple, and this is Ephesians 2, 19 through 21. Um, would, would, would one of you guys read that? Real quick. Yeah. Um, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostle and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom which the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Wow. Okay. So... Help us to uh, understand a little bit, what is this image of the temple, and how does that then relate to the church as a whole? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So um, how far back do we want to go on this on oh, the temple? Go for it, Ariel. No, I, I, Ariel's kind of the expert on, uh, no. on the temple at this point. Well, so. I've, been, I've, I've been immersed <laughs> in temple study for a while, um, but not as much as I'd really like to. Um, if we were going to just sum up the temple of Israel, mm-hmm. okay, God gave them clear instructions on how he was to be worshipped. And he gave them instructions down to um, how to build a structure that they would enter. It had compartments. It had the Holy of Holies in the very center. Then it had the outside section that um, the priests could enter. And then it even had a, a section outside of that. And then other places where women could go and all of this. The cool thing about that is that it's all torn down when Christ dies on the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that says is that the temple is now in us through the power of the Spirit. Um, Now, what I think this is, it's speaking to the individual Christian when we talk about that. Um, If we were to go to um, the scriptures that discuss, you know, that we are now a a holy temple because of the Spirit's indwelling us. Um, But I think what we're seeing here in Ephesians is something different that kind of fights the whole idea of consumerism in the individual. you know, that church isn't a place where we go and just decide, I love I love the music here, but I prefer the sports ministry over there. And so we pick and choose where we're going to go to church based on our preferences. Um, it, it obliterates that and says, look, you are part of a body now where you're choosing to be in covenant with these people. And that's basically what we say in membership is that we're choosing to commit to this as a family would, um, where you don't just hightail it out the back door when something is is off your liking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we should pursue that together. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that we're, we're really meant to be, as this passage is saying, joined together mm-hmm. with Christ as the cornerstone. Yes. Um, and, and that through this, that we, that we belong to one another, like, like we, we're here to serve one another. When one of us is hurting, then it actually hurts everybody. Right. Uh, when one of us has a, has a joy or a success, then we can all celebrate mm-hmm. with that person, um, because any victory for them is a victory for us as well. You right. know. And I, so I think, yeah, we, man, we, we live in such an individualized culture. Again, it's coming back to that idea that this uh, that the idea of the church is so foreign to us uh, of, of what the church really is, and and so it's like we almost need to regain that ground again yeah. of, of like man let's 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 move past the individualism idea because the church is saying let's be uh that we're really one mm-hmm. that we belong mm-hmm. to one another um let, maybe let's just camp out on that for just a second like how has individualism really just wrecked <laughs> in some ways like the way that the, the like when we look at acts chapter 2 things like that um what the church is supposed to be mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't mean this as a negative, and again, keep in mind that I don't have kids, so I may be the wrong voice to speak on this, but um, one thing that I have noticed um, is that we have elevated the role of the nuclear family. When I say nuclear family, I just mean your immediate family, if that's Mm -hmm. a term that you're not familiar with, that most of the ways that we interpret um, passages addressing the family in Scripture, we apply it directly to families, or we even see a majority of preaching within the church. And we, we don't do this. I mean, we preach through books and things, but but the focus is often to say, okay, what does this mean for a husband? What does this mean for a father? What does this mean for a wife? What does this mean for a mother? And we, we approach those things in that way. Now, what's really interesting um, 
in some sense, the way that the individualism within our culture has grown is kind of going to force the church to have to readdress that. Mm -hmm. Because what we're seeing now is we're seeing people waiting longer to have families, which actually is driven more by them wanting to just kind of often accomplish their goals in their life and live what they believe is fulfilling to them. That's their their agenda. Mm -hmm. But what it means for the church is that we have to understand, okay, how does the gospel and how does the family speak to those people? We can no longer just only talk about things within the context of the nuclear family because what we're seeing is an increase in people where they don't have a family. Right. They don't have kids at home. You know, They're right. in their 30s and older without kids. And so it's kind of forcing us. In one sense, it's like this agenda of individualism has um, is creating people to figure out how to live a life where they're not having kids, mm-hmm. you know, um, which there's good. there's reasons for that that are good and are sound, and there are reasons that aren't. But then there's also this church over here where all we're doing is talking about how do things relate within the family. And so I think yeah. in one sense, we're having to see a shift where we understand how to communicate to those that don't exist within the nuclear family, which I think actually is going to help the church to present a broader gospel mm-hmm. that speaks to this idea of the family of God. Yeah. How do we exist within family, family with one another? It's not just about how we act when we get home, but it's about how we act when we're together. Yeah. So I, I think I think it's it's interesting because it's like it's a problem created by the world that I think might actually force us to speak broader when we talk about the family of God. Sure. Well, as we were reading through Acts um, two forty two through forty seven, and I, I mean I've taught on this as well, and you guys know this that this is a great picture of what the family of God should be doing together. But if we read just a little further, you mm. know, it starts yeah. to go downhill. And so we see this as an ideal, but I think what happens is the individual starts to think of themselves. And so mm. very soon after this, we get into a couple who yeah. sell their possessions, yeah, yeah, or sell their land, and then they pretend that they that they gave all the money, right? And um, And so... I totally yeah. got that brutal story Brutal consequences wrong. Yeah, for Yeah, it. brutal consequences, for real. Yeah. Um, but I think that what that keeps in the forefront for us, if, if we're truly, you know, reading scripture in, in its fullest, is that the ideal is absolutely what we want to model. But we don't want to forget the fact that we are super selfish and super imperfect people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that we just keep pulling brothers and sisters back when that happens. And so the idea of membership, which we're in the middle of our membership class right now, we have a little mm-hmm. intensive going on, um, is to have... Um, have this body in place with leaders who are ready to um, to watch the flock and go after those who mm-hmm. stray mm-hmm. and say, no, this is about something bigger than just you and just yourself, um, is that there are people here who know you and need you and love you, and this is the way we're going. Come back, come back. Yeah, you know? I, th- I think it's a bigger picture for your life. Right, I, I think it that's, is. I think that's the thing that, that we miss sometimes is we make it seem like it's work when we're stepping mm-hmm. into the membership, but really what we're saying is there's a bigger picture for your life that exists beyond just how to do your life better. Yeah. You know, how to, how to be better when you go home or how to be better at the things that you're already doing, but it's this bigger picture of what it looks like to exist within family with one another. Well, it blows up the idea of what culture has said is our, our end goal, right? Yeah. And then um, and puts our sight on eternity and says, look, the kingdom is now, and we're going to start practicing it here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a higher goal. That's yeah. a higher calling. Yeah. I think, um, I think it was Martin Luther who talked about sin, actually, in, in, a, in, a, in this broad way where sin itself was a a turning in 
on oneself. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like it's, it's, it's just sort of a, um, uh, a retreat into oneself. And, and I think that's primarily what we're seeing in this shift in, in our culture. And again, I, um, it's a, it's a shift away from the idea that of, of biblical community here. It's, it's a shift away from the idea that we belong to one another, that we have gifts that we are to use to strengthen each other and support each other. Um, and, and yet we don't use those things. Yeah. So, so practically in the outside world, I think you see it in sports. We always elevate the primary athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always the Le- LeBron took them to yeah. a championship or the quarterback. Um, or well, I mean, we, we even had someone comment in our feed this week and I thought it was a good question. They said, you know, okay, we look at all the great accomplishments in American history. And they said a lot of them were accomplished by, you know, rad- radical individualistic efforts, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, well, Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times what we're negating is all of the people it took to make something happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at any great movement, there are a lot of people involved. Mm-hmm. We just tend to elevate one figure to the forefront. Right. And so yeah. we see this and that. And then within the church, we've seen it and we've seen a shift in this, but we see everybody go, okay, what is the primary way to evangelize to people? Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, well, have them come here, my pastor, mm-hmm. you know? And so we have this mindset that it's like, it's one person's job to do all this. Yeah. But when we really look at the family of God, it's actually, it's a collective effort of many people with many unique giftings. It's yeah. not about one all-star individual. Absolutely. And yeah. it never has been, even on these super teams. It's never that. Yeah. What would it look like if the church, uh, and what, what if it was just, we said our church, what would it look like if, if we said, you know, we're going to go out and we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to share the gospel with you know, one person that we know. We're going to talk with them. We're going to pray for them. We're going to talk with them about the Lord. We're and we're going to basically disciple them. We're going to take it upon ourselves, regardless of where each one of us are in our in our own faith. You know, we're just going to say, you know, I'm just going to teach them what I know, and I'm going to I'm, I'm going to help them to answer those questions. And if I don't know the answer, then I'm going to look it up for them, and I'm going to figure this out. What if everybody in our church did something like that? I mean, to me, that is a that is a breathtaking picture of what mm-hmm. the church can be. And that's just one, like one person, like, you know, it, that's, that's just reaching one other person or whatever. Um, but that we would, you know, step out of that mindset of thinking like, oh, you got to bring people to come mm-hmm. here, Pastor Scott. I think that's great. Do mm-hmm. that. But ultimately you're the one in relationship with that person, you know? And so, yeah, it really, you know, you're the best person to reach that, that other person. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's really fascinating. Let's go kind of get back to then how does then the church belonging to a church really offer support for us? Um, you know, what are, what, what's that benefit there of, of support? And then, and, I mean, this is, we're, like we said, this is stuff we talk about in membership class, but yeah. Yeah. Well, aside from the fact that we have brothers and sisters around us that hopefully know when you're missing and miss you yeah. um, and love you, um, we have, our church is elder-led, and so we have um, leaders in place who are um, held accountable by Scripture and by our church covenant to to watch over our flock. Um, and so that's a benefit to our members that they know that uh, they have leadership who is is um, ready to pray for them and ready to mm-hmm. um, disciple them if they need it. Absolutely. And um, yeah, that's yeah, a good thing. I think one of the things we talk about too is church discipline, and Scott preached on this. Uh, uh, a few months back, mm-hmm. but but the idea that church discipline itself is is a huge benefit to to members, and it seems like a scary thing, like oh man, they're going to kick me out of the church when I sin or things like that. Mm-hmm. But really, what it is is it's saying, as a member of the church, I'm saying 
man, I don't want to stumble. And if I do, I hope that my brothers and sisters come around me mm-hmm. and help me with that. And so it's basically kind of putting that safeguard in place saying, and it's biblical, we see it all over the New Testament, but it's this idea of saying, come around me when I fall. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's, that's a huge support um, for our church. So, well, the last thing that Scott mentioned, like we said, we've already alluded to this in some ways, but it's that we discover, the way that Scott put it was we discover our unique value. And really what he's getting to here is the idea of our giftedness, that, that we have been given uh, at least one gift that we can then share with the church body in order to strengthen it and equip it and, and help. And so why is this an important piece of, of this whole idea of belonging to a church? Um, why does the church need us? What, what, what is this all about? Yeah, I think it's just that we all have an active role. You know, I, I, I think a lot about this from the local mission side of things, because again, that's my role on our staff. But mm-hmm. um, my favorite part about my job still to this day, and the, the main reason I was excited to take this role was I get to walk alongside people as they navigate the way that God's gifted them and mm-hmm. what he's calling them to do. Um, within our body and outside of our body. And and it doesn't take a long time to be a part of a church body to look around and go, man, that lady, that guy, they offer something to our church that no one else can. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that's their unique thing. And then, and then, you know, you work for a church a few years longer and you start to see those people die and you see the gap that's left. And sometimes people feel it, you know, but I, yeah. I mean... I remember, um, you know, we have we, you know, we talk about Dave Steenbarger a lot, who's always at the front door waving to people as they come in. You know, yeah. what a small thing, but has meant so much to so many people in our church. Yeah. Um, and I remember being at Community Church of Greenwood, and we had a guy like that, and um, he died. Mm. And I remember there was another guy who started standing in his spot, and it was like, hey, I'm gonna try to fill, you know, his role in our church body. Yeah. And it's just this beautiful picture of like we all have an active role to play in the church, and. And when you get to see it from our angles, it's one of the real blessings of being kind of behind the scenes sometimes, mm-hmm. is you get to see all of those different roles that people play in our church. Mm-hmm. Um, just the the small things that you wouldn't think about, you know, so-and-so's been filling up communion cups for 20 years, yeah. you know? And, right. it, and I'm not even saying it's about that. I mean, it's even ways behind that. I mean, I remember when I was in our young adult ministry and, you know, someone would have a car problem and then I'd find out that like four or five young adults in our church without anybody telling them to would get their car fixed and pay for it. Mm. And you're just like, it's just, it's, it's, we all have been given different resources, um, different giftings, different skill sets mm-hmm. um, that can impact um, our body, um, yeah. can impact the people around us, can offer that support that we were talking about above. But yeah. we all have those giftings. And, and man, it doesn't mean that, you know, we're talking local ministry. I always tell people it's not, it just doesn't mean that everybody's going to go start a 501c3 nonprofit. But it does mean that you have an active um, role to play mm-hmm. in the work of the ministry and what God's doing in our church in this season. Mm-hmm. Um, he's gifted you for that. Yeah, it's super fun to navigate that with people. And hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna take us a little side yeah. section over here. You know that complementarianism has been kind of a heated thing in in social media right now. But I've just been thinking a lot about how how men and women together have to be the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and just how necessary both are, um, both genders are, um, to reflect the image of God together. Um, and so, you know, sometimes, sometimes we just wonder: Is there really a place for me? I mean, it seems like church has got it, people have got it. I don't see a place where I'm fitting in to serve. No, we do. We need you here. We need your gifts. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we need, uh, we need both genders working together, brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep, for sure. I think this is, we, we joke because we think this is kind of like the theme verse of membership class yeah, and yeah. things like that, but it's Ephesians chapter 4, verses um, 11 and 12. But let me just read this this to you because this, I think, really sums up what we're, what we're trying to say here. It's that he says, and he gave, Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Those are all of the offices within the church, right? He gives these, these, these people. But why? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And the, the question there is, who are the saints? Well, church, that's you. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it, it's weird for us to think of, of saints as us, um, but a saint is just a believer. It's someone who's a Christian. Uh, it, it's not someone that has to be uh, venerated to some sort of like you know righteous level, things like that, mm-hmm. um, like in the Roman Catholic Church. But uh, a, a, the way that the New Testament talks about saints is just Christians. And so if that's the case... And what this is saying is that the role of pastors and teachers, um, really that their role is just to equip you to do the work of ministry. And what that means is that you're the one that's supposed to be doing the work of ministry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think that's, that's something that's, I think, shocking for people sometimes. Be like, oh, well, how do I do that? I don't feel qualified for that. Well, that's what we're here for. We want to, <laughs> we as, as uh, pastors and teachers, we want to be here to equip you to be able to do this. Because look, listen to what he, he continues on. He says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful Mm -hmm. schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You guys, uh, we need you. (laughs) We can't be a complete church without you. And so, um, so it, I, really, this this is a challenge in a lot of ways, uh, you know. And I think that was Scott's challenge on Sunday, was to say, "All right, what am I doing? Yeah. Uh, how am I contributing mm-hmm. to the body of Christ? How how can I help to bring people to maturity, to grow the body, the grow the church up in love, so that we might be have more people who are who are maturing in Christ." And um, and that's really the goal. Like, how yeah. how can we make that happen? So guys, what would you want to tell our listeners as, as, as we close out today? What, what encouragement would you give them when it comes to this stuff? Yeah, Chris. So, so as I was listening to you, the first thing I thought of was this picture in this really long monologue you know, that Paul goes on, is this that this is not something that's completed until the point of death. We're mm-hmm. constantly working for this as the church is being built up yeah. to look more like Christ. Um, and so the question is, it is what is that step for each and every one of us? Mm-hmm. What, is our, what is our next step to grow into belonging into the family of God for us? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I shared with you, for me this morning, it was this, you know, it wasn't this big thing. It wasn't join something. It wasn't start something. It's how do I actively live as if the people around me are truly my family? 
Yeah. Um, that, that, that's the question for me. How do I grow in that? Yeah. For some of us, you know, as Scott said, it may be baptism, you know, it may be membership. Um, but I think it's just to ask yourself that question, what is my next step? What is my next step into growing into belonging into the family of God? Mm-hmm. And we all have that step. I think that's the picture mm-hmm. that you painted, that there's a role for every single one of us. Absolutely. Um, no matter your age, no matter your gender, it, there's a role for everyone. Yeah. I think that the all of the commands of Scripture can be summed up in love God, love people. And if you are wanting to grow and you're ready to take a next step, think about those two things. Those, that's a pretty short bullet list. Mm-hmm. Find one way that you can love God more. Find one way that you can love people more. Yeah. Um, and take a little baby step, and we're here to help. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that closes out our friend request series. I have to enunciate that really well. Next week, we're going to be jumping into a four-week series on the book of Ruth, which I I, um, I actually get to preach all four weeks of this of this series. So and we get to grill. I get to grill. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. So we that'll so be unified. interesting. Are you ready for it, Chris? I know. We're bringing um, the heat. Yeah. So uh, I, I think it'll be, I think it'll be interesting um, because our format here has been that we haven't had the, the main preacher, which has been one Scott. week. Yeah. Yeah. I did one week. That's right. Yes. But we haven't had mm-hmm. that person in the room every week. So I think it'll be kind of interesting to kind of dialogue about some of that stuff. Um, maybe even dig a little bit deeper into the text. So join us next week as we jump into Ruth chapter one here on the Sunday recap. Mm-hmm.